0: Amen. Thank you so much for that praise time. And if you have your Bibles, turn in the Gospel of Luke to Luke chapter 11. The Gospel of Luke chapter 11. It's interesting that The disciples saw Jesus do many miracles. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him walk on water. They saw him feed thousands with a couple of sandwiches. They even saw him raise the dead. But so far as I know, the scriptures only record... One thing that so amazed the disciples that they asked him directly to teach them how to do it. They asked him to teach them to pray. Luke 11, verse 1 Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Then you have in verse 2 through 4 an abbreviated version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then beginning in verse 5 of Luke 11 we find our text for today. Let's read Luke 11 verse 5. He said to them, which of you has a friend? Remember, he's teaching them to pray. He's given them an outline and priorities of prayer, but now he gives them this parable. Verse 5. He said to them, which of you has a friend that will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, please lend me three loaves? Verse 6. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is shut, my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And then uh, if you go on down in verse 13, Jesus concludes it by saying if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. The Spirit is evidently that life-giving bread that people need. So when you look at this uh, parable there are four things to keep in mind as we understand the symbolism of the parable. in verse 5 there's the one who goes at midnight and asks for bread can we put these up the, the four symbols the one who asks symbolizes the one who prays he goes to him at midnight knocks on his door says I need." Three loaves of bread. Then in verse 6, he gives the reason. A friend of mine has arrived on a journey. Now, actually, the word journey here is the Greek word exodos, ex meaning uh, exit or out. And ODOS is the Greek word for road. You know, you, you've heard of the Exodus in the Old Testament. It means they were out of the road. There was no road in the Exodus, they had to cross through the Red Sea. So that's the word that is used here. He's, he's out of the road. In other words, he's lost. And it's midnight. So he's hungry, he's confused. A friend of mine has come to me, he says. Give me three loaves, for I have a friend who is lost. He's wayward. He's gotten out of the way. And now it's midnight. Now the friend who is in bed, in verse 7, he answers from within and says, Don't bother me, the door is now shut, and children are with me in bed. That's the person who's being asked. He symbolizes, in some sense, God. And then, of course, the thing, the bread that he's asking for, Jesus turns that and says in verse 13, So the Father will give you the Holy Spirit, if you ask him. In other words, we need, people need, more than anything, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let's look at verse 8 again. Pull up verse 8 there, if you would. Now, Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, but because of his impudence, his boldness, his, his kutzpah, his gall, he will get up. In, in, in those days, uh, they would often have one big bed. I mean, we're not talking about a three-bedroom house here like we have in America, the 21st century. We're talking about a village. We're talking about a small house And we're talking about one big room. And a a lot of times the villagers would bring in, they would have their wife and children all in bed. The babies are now asleep. And they would even bring in the chickens. So nothing would bother the chickens. They would even bring in the sheep and the goats. Everything's asleep. And here's this guy knocking on the door. And by the way, when I grew up, there were areas in the hills of Tennessee where I'd go visit somebody and I'd walk into the kitchen. There'd be a chicken uh, on the kitchen table. So they had they'd have chickens in their house. You gotta protect your flock <laughs> somehow. But you can imagine back then they'd put everything in there in order to protect it. So this everybody's asleep. Everything is asleep, and he's knocking. Stop that. Don't knock. We're all in bed. And he says in verse 9, and pull up this uh, verse 9, he says he he won't get up and give him because of his friend, but if he keeps on knocking, he'll get up because he doesn't want to wake the whole neighborhood. So verse 9 says, I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He uses these three words as if there are three stages to pursuing God for the Spirit. For the bread of life. Asking. In verse 9, ask and it will be given you. That's where we simply take our request to God and make our petition. And then Seeking. If, if you're praying for a job, you ask God. But then what do you do? You seek one. Go turn in some application somewhere. And then he says, knock. What does that mean? That means doors close. There's obstacles. But he says, keep knocking because the door will open. So you have this ask, seek, knock the three stages of it, and even the knocking, if there's obstacles, if the door seems closed, a closed door does not mean God's saying no necessarily. Knock on the door, persevere in the face of obstacles. When I was in Asbury College in Kentucky, I saw this uh, uh, sweet little girl from Ohio. And and I thought that's the one for me. That's who God wants me to marry. But evidently God didn't let her in on my secret. <laughs> so I, I asked, but then I had to seek. I had to wear better clothes, nicer clothes. And later on I found out that my clothes, she made fun of them with her girlfriends, um, but I did seek. I started taking a shower at least once a month. Back in Tennessee, that was good. That, was, that meant you were seeking something. I, sh- I started getting new clothes. I started wearing deodorant. I started knocking on the door i i went to her during the summer i went up to her home her farm where her dad was a plumber and i even worked with her dad as a plumber for a few weeks and you know what happened the door opened god changed her heart and now several children later Several grandchildren later, here we are, snug as a bug in a rug. <laughs> well, anyway, what everything in my illustration, the point is you ask and you sneak, it, and you sneak. <laughs> you ask and you seek, and you knock. And Jesus said, it will be given to you. It will be opened to you. You will find. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is not so much telling us to pray for a job, is he? Or a wife. Or something for ourselves. But when he teaches his disciples to pray, he's showing them the best praying the highest level of praying and you know what it is it's praying four ways there are four things here number 1 it is for others not ourselves when he said when they said teach us to pray Jesus taught them to pray like the man who has a friend and he's going to get bread for him. He didn't knock on the door at midnight and say, friend, give me three loaves because I'm hungry. Amen? He said, friend, give me three loaves because I have a friend who's lost. He's out of the road. We all naturally turn inward. You know, the proof of that, if you ever watch somebody look at a group picture And who's the first person they look for in the picture? Themselves. Oh, there I am. (laughs) We naturally turn inward. Jesus says, here is a man who shows up at midnight and he's knocking on the door for bread, not for himself. Jesus said, that's the way you ought to pray. Put your primary prayers on behalf of others. Secondly, he taught in verse 6, he taught us to pray with humility. Notice how he said, a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to give him. Jesus is teaching us here that when it comes down to it, what people really need, we don't really have. We don't have that bread of life. Somebody said, the times are desperate. Our families are desperate. Our churches are desperate. But we are not. Jesus is teaching us here that when it comes to truly helping people, the best thing you can do is pray. And the best prayer you can pray is when you realize that if they have anything, it's got to come to you, through you from God. In 2 Chronicles 20, a king in Judah named Jehoshaphat received word that surrounding nations had conspired together. The Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites had all joined together to fight against Judah. They had all joined. And And Jehoshaphat called all the leaders and he said in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 11... They have come to drive us out of your possession, O oh Lord. And we are powerless. We have no power against this great horde. And we do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. That is the way we must pray. Lord, I don't have the power to help that person. I don't have the knowledge But Lord, I'm looking to you to give us that. A prophet arose in their midst and says, You will not have to fight in this battle. And sure enough, the next day they put the praise team out front. That's always a a good way to fight. Let the whole band go out in front. And as they praised God, it says that the enemies turned on each other and destroyed each other. And God saved them. They didn't even have to fight. It's Jehoshaphat is saying the same thing here. God, I have nothing to set before them. I don't have the power and the might and the knowledge to fix this. Only you do. the The third thing, praying the best way, is praying with expectancy. I want to point out something here and a lot of times in this parable uh, people miss this. Jesus is not comparing God to a grumpy neighbor. He says, when you go to him at midnight, and he says, I'm in bed, I can't get up. And he, he won't get up because, of his, because you're his friend, but because you're so bold, you go and ask anyway. Then he'll get up. So he says, I tell you, you go to the Father. Remember, Jesus is not calling God a sleepy neighbor. Psalm 121, the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from... Whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is not sleepy. Further, this neighbor is not only sleepy, but he was only a friend. But God is a father. Jesus is not comparing them. He's contrasting them. He's saying if that man with his impudence could get an answer, because even though the neighbor is sleepy, how much quicker, how much more eager is your Father in heaven ready to do something for you? He's contrasting these two. So he says in verse 11, What father... If his son asked for a fish, would he give him a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? Remember one uh, weekend some years ago, we had just started the field house, and, and some of you remember how hard it was financially at the time. And we needed, that particular weekend, we needed the largest offering that we had ever had, and I remember the Sunday before, Bud had, had asked if some of his friends could come, or maybe I had asked if his friends could come and play in the band that Sunday, and I said, tell them, Bud, tell them I'll give them $50 each, and there was about two or three of them, and he said, okay, and they came and played. And after the service, Bud came up to me and he said, uh, Dad, don't forget, I I told them you'd give them $50 each because that's what you said. And I said, Bud, don't worry, I'll give them $50 each. And I did. And you know what? I would have given them, I I would have sold my car to give them $50 each because I promised my son and my son promised them. And I was thinking about that driving away and I was thinking, there's no way I would not have paid that money because because I knew my son was watching and counting on me. As I was driving away, the Spirit of God came up on me so strong and he said, "You You have said I would pay. You have said I would provide. You were so concerned that your son had said it. I will back you up. I am your father. And that next Sunday, we had the largest offering in the history of our church. And the history since then. And we more than paid every bill. And I thought, you know... That is what Jesus is teaching us here. He is our Father. He backs, He's got our back. He stands with us. The songwriter put it like this. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. He says, I will not, I will not desert to the foes. And that soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I will never, know, never, no, never forsake. I have found that to be true. Finally, we would say our best praying is not only for others, not only in humility because we have nothing to set before them ourselves, not only with expectancy because that is our Father, but finally, our best praying is for the Holy Spirit. What do you pray for? And Jesus gives it to us here in verse 13. So then if you're evil, you're selfish, you, know how, you still know how to take care of your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? See, that's the bread. That's the bread we're to knock on the door for. The bread of life. Remember that the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2 brought order out of chaos. The Spirit hovered over the waters. Remember that the Holy Spirit explains someone like Samson. Judges fourteen nineteen, the Spirit of God came upon him. Remember that it is the Holy Spirit in his departure, in his Absence from Saul that caused him to go to the black arts and the witches for guidance. It says the spirit had left him, 1 Samuel 19, 19. What makes our young people, what makes our leaders, what makes our friends and family depart, what makes them look to resources and sources that harm them, it is the absence of the Spirit. So we must pray for the Holy Spirit. Who makes the baby in the womb and puts breath in us even this very hour? Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. How does anyone even enter the kingdom of God without the new birth by the Spirit? John 3, 5. So praying for the Holy Spirit. So I would urge you today, and this is my sermon, this is what I feel from God for us today, is that we need to pray, but there's a high, there's a best praying. It's praying for others. Make a list of others that you want to pray for. Remember that they need the Holy Spirit like a body needs bread. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Pray when it's inconvenient. Pray when you feel unworthy. Pray anyway for others that God's Spirit would come upon them, would touch their hearts, and touch their lives. John 4.23 Jesus said we must worship God in spirit and in truth. Both of those things go together. You need both the spiritual aspect and the doctrinal aspect. Spirit and truth. Some churches major on the truth and neglect the spirit. Some major on the spirit and neglect the truth. We need both oars in the water for the boat to go forward. So let's pray for the Holy Spirit of the living God. Pray with me right now.